Well, I'm going to give it a try here. Um, I apologize, it's been a while. I actually went, and since I, I use the, this Anchor app, uh, because when I first started doing the podcast, as you all know, I was not very uh, capable when it came to the, the apps, the technologies. <laughs> uh, but my phone's getting a little old, uh, so it's a little harder to switch between Anchor and, uh, and other apps, certainly not uh, some of these, uh, these Audible apps. And that new Scribd app, terrible. The app's terrible, but the content is amazing. Like the access to the documents, the research papers, not as much as I would like, obviously. Uh, books, audible books, um, sorry, I mean uh, audio books, uh, as well as regular books, uh, digital in this case. Um, but well, what have I been doing? Well, I, I finished reading, uh, for the most part, almost everything uh, that Campbell, uh, Joseph Campbell, uh, has had published or has had published. Uh, there's the Joseph Campbell Foundation. They got a bunch of his seminars. Uh, takes uh, takes some time to go through all of those. Uh, and then they've put out his journals. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's not quite as daunting as Nietzsche's stuff, but it was it was uh, pretty intense. But uh, what's funny is I just wanted to share a couple little tidbits. Um, just uh, it seems that I think I have fallen on this idea of. Uh, uh, some of these shared archetypes that aren't seen or, or even shared. So the synchronicity uh, is something that uh, Nietzsche was writing about. Um, I'm going to go back and I'm going to research Jung some more, obviously, uh, just to see if he mentions Nietzsche directly. It's, it's this uh, German word I've told you about, Schatzen. Um, it's related to Satchen, uh, so S-H-A-T-Z-E-N, uh, related to the S H A T Z C H E N, so that's precious. The the chen, the C H E N, uh, that's your precious. Your what you really uh, appreciate, what what you value. You know, my treasure. Right. Whereas Sachin is more evaluation. But but to decide, and this is exactly why Nietzsche said. Man is the evaluator. I keep talking about this, right? The evaluator is how I translate it because when we say evaluate, we think judgment, I think. So I say valuate. Valuate. Because people think about value. And that's what Schatzen means. It's to value. Uh, to evaluate in the sense of deciding its value, finding the meaning. Right? And that's what young men, uh, in his synchronicity, is that it's a careful slope, which I'm going to mention you, uh, Joyce wrote about. It's a, it's a careful slope, um, this synchronicity, because it can, it can border on what Joyce called synco, uh, schizophrenesis, phrenitis. Phrenitis, my apologies. Schizophrenitis. Uh, so it's schizo being of, uh, with like split. If I'm not mistaken, I'm going to have to go and look at that. I completely apologize. You go ahead and look up schizo. Um, but he was talking about the phrenitis with the E, P-H-R-E-N-E-T-I-S, right? The Greek for madness or split, right? This idea of 
being wrong with your meaning. And I think it relates to Buber and Jung when they talked about uh, you have to be mindful of the I and the thou. It goes back to the Upanishads. This is why I say it's this archetype. right? Uh, Isha, one of the first Upanishads, uh, Sutra 6, or line 6, says, or paragraph 6, however you'd want to put it in a Western context, uh, says that uh, the secret to existence is to see the self in the other and to see the other in the self. And this is the exact same thing. So synchronicity is to see the meaning in an object, in an experience, in a belief, in a path, which is, again, I, I talk about it too much, but religion, this idea of the path you follow with devotion and commitment, that what's, what is faith, fides, 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 I guess, uh, yeah, my apologies, and it goes back to, like, fati, faith, and fate, trust, confidence, devotion, commitment. That's what you follow. That's what you're confident in. Not blind faith, not simply belief, but a trust. A trust, a, a shortcut to, to meaning. Because I think this has been said so many times before, but... Meaning, value, is like happiness and contentment. It's not, it's not something you find. It's something you have. You awaken to it. That's why I think St. John of the Cross said, these things are only understood when, not when sought, but only understood when practiced and found. And so what I mean by this is, this is this big practice that we have to be willing, uh, as, as uh, one of my favorite lines from uh, Carl Jung from his uh, Modern Man in Search of Meaning, we have to stand at the edge of a void, right? This potential, uh, what um, Nietzsche alluded to, uh, Joyce, uh, it's, it's uh, an archetype all over uh, Asia, this idea of shunya in Sanskrit, uh, ku in Japanese. So it's, it's a circle, it's hollow, it's round, but it's not empty. Void is potential in this case. So the idea is not being a slave to tradition, like uh, Nietzsche warned, right? We're camels, right? Carrying around other uh, people's expectations. I, I argue that um, tradition is peer pressure from dead people. I know it. it's harsh and it's just meant to be funny. But this is the idea. To break out on your own, to discover who and what you are, requires some risk, right? And that's why I think there needs to be some challenge. Like the example I'll give is uh, a comment about Zogchen today uh, from a long time ago came back up um, because I just mentioned some of the stuff I've talked about, how this universality of, of, of teaching. Uh, once you get past some of the esoteric uh, uh, window dressing, a lot of these teachings, these traditions, these practices even, are very similar. I've talked about this before. Tumo, uh, dream yoga, uh, pranayama, breathing. I mean, this is some universal stuff, but depending on where you are, these in fact, the best example would be um, Nietzsche's Ubermensch. Uh, Jung, I st have still to find 
I think just plain and simple Carl Jung's uh, individuation. So he, he tries to map this um, archetypal um, uh, epitome of, of, of existence, this perfect person, this perfect being. I think he tries to map it on ourselves. So he, his idea is individuation. Uh, but in Buddhism, it's the bodhisattva, bodhi being, you know, wise, brilliant of mind, sattva being the best being you can be, so being both wise and, uh, and also uh, mindful of the, the temple of which you build. But part of that is the society in which you live. So again, the self and the other, the I and, and the thou, right? How important is this? But for us to carve for ourselves, we have to be mindful of these things, that we want to um, embrace our destiny, whatever it may be, Right, not relive an expectation, uh, a previous experience, or uh, or uh, a tradition. So we got to risk, you know, making mistakes. Uh, right. So that's why I, I don't mind being uh, close to to being wrong a lot of the times because it's it's in those moments that we really break through to the understanding. So. The, the Dzogchen thing I mentioned, I was just uh, sharing online. I had shared uh, some of these funny moments. This, uh, I can't remember what, Shinkantaza. Shinkantaza, I think, is what they call it in Japanese. So this um, purification of, of the Zen Satori experience. So forget about all the other crap. You're not breathing. You're not counting your breathing, I should say. You're not, you're not doing any of the weird stuff. You're just sitting, being nothing, Right? Like I've said before, the Zazen's a different, uh, the sitting and being of the no mind. So arguably, it's very similar to the Zogchen, but that's neither here nor there. Because really, the truth is, you know, it's like Kabbalah, right? The, those who know don't say, and those who say don't know. But at the same time, it's not something that you can, can voice. It's... it's uh, who is it that said that? I mean, I think a million different guys have said... Uh, and ladies, right? Claire of uh, Assisi is a great example, uh, which was my recent flub. Um, a lot of them have sent this idea that uh, you can't voice these, these truths, these ephemeral, beyond, not ephemeral, but this, this fi infinite uh, experience, right? It's even beyond ourselves. So really, we can only put into context... Um, like a, the metaphysical in our own sort of like, you know, it was like the best meal I've ever had, right? We can never really truly express the, the metaphysical experience to, to any degree, really, right? We can just, and that's the argument. Bertrand Russell's probably said it a million times. Uh, geez, I've, I've read it a half dozen times in, in some of these books recently between Joseph Campbell and some of the, the introductions and some of the other... Uh, comparative religion courses, this idea that you know, signs and symbols, I mean, that is what language is, right? When we talk about something, uh, we're referring to uh, the, 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 the linguistic, linguistic device uh, that references the actual object, right? There's the, the idea of the object, then separately there's the, the object itself, then even separate from that is, is what we use to represent the object in, in in verbal communication, I mean, arguably it could be nonverbal 
could even be a whole nother set of, I don't know, sorry, I digress. So for me, the, the, uh, the importance is this synchronicity, right? So I leave a comment about Dzogchen that, you know, a couple things resonate with me, uh, how in Buddhism, right, this, uh, the very first teachings of the Buddha is the uh, Satisampajana Sutra. No, sorry, the Satis- <laughs> Satipatthana Sutra. And uh, part of that sutra is Satisampajana, this idea of uh, to be mindful, to remember uh, of the, these essential truths and teachings of what you've come to learn, right? Because there's a, a learning process first before you can just jump right into it, which is the hilarity of the whole situation here. Right? Sampajanya being um, to apply this to all of life's daily activities, these simple truths that, you know, life is made up of our perception and we tend to be a little bit jaded and we have to be a little more open-minded about, uh, you know, perception and situation, right? So I left this uh, comment I've talked about in the previous podcast, the interesting idea of um, the astronaut who said one of the most profound experiences they had as an astronaut in space was actually having uh, something accidental happen, right? They got left in space for uh, five extra minutes. It doesn't seem like long, but they said it was uh, beyond profound. Uh, They keep them busy all the time, uh, partially because of this reason, right? You don't want them thinking about the fact that they're trapped in this little coffin in space, I guess. But in this case, uh, the time uh, waiting for his... uh, his task, or waiting to fulfill his task, uh, he was all suited up out in space, uh, alone spacewalk. And remember how disconnected he'd be. Right? He's in this space. It's not like he's actually floating in space, but he said it was profound, just that five minutes of silence and, and stillness. And, and if that ain't Jog Chan, I mean, pfft, okay, I turn in my cards. But... I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if the Zogchen is not something we can speak of, like, that means you can't tell me what isn't Zogchen. Just as, just as ridiculously, I can't tell you what is. But, I mean, I related uh, the other experience, uh, a martial artist, that it could be, again, here's synchronicity. So this story could be um, an absolute rebuke of this teacher, this uh, martial arts teacher. Because... When uh, this kid was dropped off to class, the first class, I guess they were all newbies. It doesn't really matter. It can be a thought experiment. But he, the, the dojo, what do they call them? The, the sensei, they tend to call him a sensei, uh, right? Actually tasked everyone to just stand in front of the mirrors and stare into the mirror for an hour. That was their first task. Their first challenge, even, you could call it. Not just task a challenge. And he said, well, at first, uh, the person he was talking to kind of chuckled and said, oh, that's terrible, what a shyster that guy was. But he actually said it was incredibly profound. He said, you really had to put your stuff together, I think, is what he said. Right, so I shared that, plus the idea of the Satisampajanya, 
uh, or even the whole idea of Satori itself, this moment of clarity, it's, it comes and goes, right? So the idea, just trying to get across, in this case, I'm trying to get across that, I mean, Zogchen is not that different from so many other ideas, but when it comes to synchronicity in this case, it's impossible. When you understand synchronicity is seeing the meaning in something, whether it's there or not, right? A very personalized perspective to meaning, to value, right? Synchronicity is like see the meaning in something. Um, by example, just by example, um, uh, I was watching a video by a, by a, a rabbi who, um, again, the wife asked me about about him, and uh, I just mentioned that I was pretty sure he was uh, an Orthodox uh, rabbi. And lo and behold, not only was he Orthodox, very specifically uh, his sect, and there's there's this tradition of the, and pardon me, I'm, I'm mispronouncing here, the Tedzik, Sedzik, Sedik, Sedik, um, this idea like a Bodhisattva, this ultimate perfect being that we can be. Right? But there's this beautiful tradition within that they say that the world is held up by 36 perfect beings. But the beautiful truth of this story is they may not even know they're one of the 36 perfect beings holding the universe up. And it's so true, I've talked about this before, that I think the magic of the human being is it only takes a few bad apples to spoil a bunch is not really that true when it comes to human nature because it takes far more people to convince um, a group of, of um, well, what would we say, say a hundred people, it would take far more bad people in that group to convince the whole lot, the whole group to do something um, bad than it would to convince the group to do something good. I mean, if you think about it, that's the beauty of the human experience, that we both can pretty much agree that it is within the realm of possibility that one person in a group of 100 people could speak up and say, hey, let's do this awesome act of charity for somebody. And you would find that the vast majority, the vast majority, we've talked about this, probably 80% or more, would willingly uh, participate in this act of uh, pure goodness, charity, what have you. But the chance that one bad person could convince a hundred people to do something bad is much, much, much less likely. I mean, we're talking multiples. I would say it would take, you know, two, three, four, five, ten, I argue, ten or more. Ten times as many bad actors to spoil a bunch of people than it does to encourage us to commit a good act. I mean, that is the story of, um, which is really quite funny. I think it's Bernard of Clairvaux, an early Christian, uh, what would you call it, uh, scholar. He talked about... Um, what would you call it? Uh, our um, 
the I can't remember the term they use for it, but uh, pardon my brain's all over the map today. But uh, when you're born with that original sin, original sin is simply the truth that Buddhists talk about that most of us are selfish and self-serving, ignorant because we don't know better, right? It takes us to wake up to these truths and to act on them every day. So the reason why I mentioned the importance of synchronicity is because it's in all of those books, but I've also found out that that is the secret to life. Because we've talked about this, that as a human being, we don't see incremental change. So it actually requires us to believe that we're, we're succeeding in whatever path we're following um, for us to, to commit, but also to believe in it, right? So arguably almost everything with our experience, even though we make fun of belief without, um, you know, tangible evidence, right? Show me the proof. But as a human experience, we don't notice these tiny little changes over time. Name it, a little bit of yoga, a little bit of... Um, uh, meditation, a little bit of walking, a little bit of reading. We don't really notice us, uh, you know, improving here and there. It actually takes great leaps, right? And I think that's why it relates to Kierkegaard's, uh, right, um, his leap of faith, right? Because that's what it takes for us to see um, the meaning, the value, because we're not looking for it. And I know that sounds, it sounds, uh, what would you call that? The opposite of what we talked about, right? This is not something that's found. It's only when practiced. Uh, or it's, it's not when sought for, right? You, you don't find this stuff by, by seeking it, but only by practicing it. But I don't know. Do you get what I mean by that? At first, when they, okay, so the, the expression is, these things are not understood when sought but only when practiced and found. So at first you're thinking, well, you can't look for them. It's a reference very similar to the idea of contentment and happiness, this scientific idea that we don't go out and look for happiness, we actually have to embrace it, right? We already have it, kind of like Buddha nature, right? You have what you need to make you happy. It's the... Um, Om Tatsat and, and the Tatvamasi. Uh, Joseph Campbell loves Tatvamasi. It's um, I am that. Or I am, uh, well, yeah, I am that, pretty much. I love Om Tatsat, right? Uh, this idea of like we are complete, we're all part of the same system. And that's the idea of this synchronicity. Right? You don't seek the, the, the self and the other. You awaken to it. Right? You don't seek your faith in good works, followed by good works. You trust in them. Right? In fact, that's why uh, the Heart Sutra in Buddhism says that, right, no attainment. And it's the same in the Bible. It talks about that, right, you can't do good works uh, for, um, 
for selfish reasons, for egotistical reasons, because it denatures all of the good works. You do the good works strictly for good works, for the sake of doing good works. That's the synchronicity of it, right? If you place the meaning on the wrong thing, it's actually worse, arguably, than not having meaning at all. And what I mean by that is it relates to any system that at the heart of it, if you really do evaluate the system that you're following, if it's based on a lie, it actually denatures you and everyone involved. The example I've used is uh, ahimsa, right? Do no harm or do less harm. This idea of uh, being a vegetarian as a Buddhist. But the problem is, is you have so many of these people on the internet who are just banding about all these ideas. The truth is, it's to do less harm. So that means you don't make people feel bad for eating meat, but you also don't make people feel good because they don't eat meat, because technically there's a death toll on both sides of the fence there. Right, Because even the vegetarian, right, they kill all sorts of animals for that harvest. So the idea is to minimize your harm. It's to appreciate what you have and, and, and where it comes from. That's the synchronicity of ahimsa. It's in, like I said, it's in um, Joyce's Finnegan's Wake. He called it the uh, schizophrenitis with an E. But if you change it to phrenitis with an O, it means wisdom. It means kind of like induction. I've mentioned this before. Philosophy has this thing called the open problem of induction, I believe. I might be saying that wrong, but don't quote me. You can correct me if I am. But it just imagine. There's this idea that we have no idea where this, these eureka experiences come from. Where do these great leaps in understanding or advances in, in, um, in, in uh, research and like if you think about it, uh, where, where, where did these yoga karan practitioners get this idea that the self is, is embodied? It's, it's a construct that, that we use because we need to. And, and we should cast it aside once it's no longer of use. A thousand years before we have some of the most highly paid and highly educated scientists around the world working to codify the same idea of what is consciousness. And they can't even express it in as cogent a way as some of these ancient uh, thinkers have. And we're working with translations of translations of translations and copies of copies of copies. I mean, who knows if they were working on, a, on an iMac, what kind, of a, what kind of a treatise they could put forth. Never mind that they were actually practitioners first, scholars second, and I wonder if these so-called scientists are scientists first rather than media personalities first, or journalists in brackets first, because I wonder. I wonder sometimes, because this is the real truth. Sometimes we don't know. We have to have a certain amount of faith, right? But we balance the pros and the cons. Is it beneficial? Is it valuable? 
Now, if something turns sideways, something goes sideways, right? Like I've said this, we're winning or we're learning. Well, that seems to be the missing piece, right? Induction seems like this mystical happenstance. But if you think about the human mind, one of the most powerful computers on the planet, I personally think that in no small part, it's we have so much computing power uh, behind our fingertips that we're able to put together everything we've absorbed in our entire life and we just were able to figure out this and that and the other thing, right? And this is why these, uh, I don't really know, but I personally think the importance can't be replaced by, as an example, uh, artificial intelligence, right? Because the one thing that makes us special, that makes our our minds, our consciousness, our cognition, whatever you want to call it, what makes us special and impossible to duplicate is our ability to, to find meaning through synchronicity. Because no algorithm is going to be able to parse the data that's going to tell them, well, this makes sense. Because we make these great leaps that I don't know if silicon could ever track how we come to these conclusions because we what i'm getting at with like like how we have this incredibly powerful computer it's it's not just that it can remember everything but sometimes it works in such a magical way that i don't think we could ever duplicate i mean um we can look at a problem from different angles, which is something that has to be taught. So technically a computer is just replicating what the human has, has the innate ability to do and has just attempted to express that in computer code. But will they ever be able to duplicate this, this magical event? This, uh, I mean, uh, William James called it um, like, an, like an, an outside consciousness or like... Um, an external consciousness, I call it like um, uh, extrasensory consciousness that we can tap into. I don't know even. I don't know even. I don't think that's necessarily the case because if we look at Joyce and Finnegan's Wake, he was talking about the schizophrenesis. So it'll either be wisdom or madness or a little of both, right? Because remember what Jung said, Sometimes you have to leave reason aside to explore sense and nonsense, right? And, and that's what happened to me recently. We were talking about Finnegan's Wake, and I threw out something that was absolutely stupid. It was, uh, it was a line about the cooing, right? Um, and I mentioned, like, uh, how Claire of uh, Assisi or um, Bernard of Clairvaux, how they talk about uh, the intimacy of... But I was probably way off base, and... And supposedly, I made uh, I made a, 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 a Joyce scholar might have might have made a Joyce scholar upset by that, but it's just me throwing stuff against the wall. But I mean, the next line I saw no evidence of this being talked about. Um, the devil and the Danes. And it sounds cool, 
the devil's in the details. I mean, there's all sorts of different ideas behind it, but if you think about it, the devil, the darkness, the shadow, and the Danes, the Danes being the Vikings, the Vikings being the, the, the founders of Dublin, uh, because they used to call them the Dub, right? Uh, D-U-B-H, D-U-H-B. Don't quote me on that, but the, the Irish word for, for dark, for black. And that's what they used to call these Vikings that invaded on that coast. So it makes perfect sense, right? Because, I mean, you're invoking a specter, a demon, right? The devil, the Danes, the demons. But, I mean, that was pretty cool. I mean, that's not in any of the books, and it's profound. And, but what I chuckled at is this, this pronouncement of a scholar, what this or that might or might not mean, right? It's just like, what is Zen? What is Zogchen? What is the Tao? I chuckled to myself because if it's something that, that you can't define, well, then... On what planet do you get off thinking that you can, with a straight face, say what is or is not Zen, right? So if you're telling me I can't tell you what is Zen, on what planet do you think you can get off telling me what's not Zen? I mean, it's the same thing with Finnegan's Wake, because what I mean by this, the reason why I chuckle, it's similar to um, Nietzsche or Balzac uh, I've heard people, well, Nietzsche, most exp uh, or, or Foucault or Sartre, I've heard people mention, hey, this means this, or, you know. But when I find out that they haven't even read it in the original language, like especially for Nietzsche, I mean, Shachin, if you translate it as evaluator, then you're not going to understand what he means. I mean, and I mentioned, too, before, the one line, I think it's uh, Hintervelten, um, where he talks about how God... Um, creates this world so it's, it could be read either as God himself is this um, colored vapor before our eyes or the world is a colored vapor before our eyes or even one little deeper reading is that is God the colored vapor that's before our eyes but I mean I've only picked out recently out of the last three or four scholars I've been reading uh, regards Nietzsche. Only one of them mentioned the importance of the, the uh, intergang, untergang, right? The down going. But he was he only mentioned it about how he was willing to go down and into the people and and go up high on the mountain and all that hermitage and that sort of idea. But this, the idea that that intergang and untergang all mean at the same time. It's yes, it's a down going, but it's a going through. So almost a reference that. Uh, even his prophet still had something human, right? As he says, uh, we're meant to be overcome, right? We're a beast meant to be overcome. So this inference that even he had something to be learned by these lowly creatures, this idea, but I don't know, I digress. But this idea of being open, right? More curious and less judgmental, that's, that's the message of synchronicity. But as C.S. Pierce said... Right? First rule of logic is doubt. So that's where the, 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 the fear comes in. Because you could accidentally come up with some off-the-wall wacky idea that makes no sense at all. But if you don't risk making a fool of yourself, you'll never fulfill yourself.
right? 